Good morning. Good morning. And welcome to the original Loretta Brown Show, radio to open the heart, heal the soul, and awaken the consciousness. And it's so good to be with you today. For those of you that are joining us on YouTube, it's it's great. And it's really, really fun, too, to be able to see my guest on YouTube. And that's one of the good things that I guess has come out of the COVID. Anyway, I am the owner of Reiki Oasis, located right here in the greatest Seattle area for the last 26 years. I am still out there, up and running. I'm doing most of my sessions through Zoom and uh, Skype. Uh, I am doing a few in-person sessions, but you do have to contact me directly for that. So you can schedule everything at schedule.reikioasis.com. And you can also join me every Sunday at 11 a.m. for Sunday Meditation with Loretta. And a reminder that Temple of the Divine Feminine, my monthly class with women, will be Saturday, September 19th. And then a very quick check-in with astrology before I bring on my amazing guest, Paul Selig, who I just can't wait to have on my show again. But September is going to look a lot like March of this year with a few differences. In March, Mars was part of the problem. As you all know, that's when the COVID thing started. But now Mars wants to find a solution. And Mars is a planet of action. It's a very fiery planet. It's actually in its domicile right now. It's it's home. It's running around with Aries. And one of the things that we've really got to watch out for is because we have this really extended energy of Mars going retrograde, where it's going to be making us all take a look at what is it, what kind of a world do we want to step into, and do we have the energy and the inclination to do so, and can we rise above <laughs> the anger and the battling that quite often comes with the energy of Mars. Aries, as you know, is an energy of I'm going to say it's the first side of the zodiac, and so we're really being given an opportunity to do something different. So in the background of that energy, I'm so happy to have Paul Selig on my show today. It is always a pleasure. Paul, you've been on my show a couple of other times, mm-hmm. and um, I, I I hate to do it. I've, I'm kind of a of a of a Paul Paul Selig guides groupie over here so just letting you know (laughs) that i hope that you feel uh very very welcome and very honored when you're on the show today for those of you just tuning in paul selick is considered to be one of the foremost spiritual channelers today in his breakthrough works of channeled literature he uh, has recorded uh, with his guides and i and maybe i should just say they just record through you an extraordinary program for personal and planetary evolution as humankind awakens to its own divine nature. Paul was born in New York City. He received his master's degree from Yale. And back in 1987, a spiritual experience left him as a clairvoyant. Maybe he's the reluctant clairvoyant. I don't know. (laughs) Um, He is described as a medium for the living He has an extraordinary ability to step into people, and he often takes on their personalities and their personal characteristics for the readings and teachings that he does. And of course, he has guides that come through him. And and I know that many, many of the people I work with know about you, Paul, because I blab about you. Uh So thank you. Thank you you so much for being on the show. Um, I understand that you are currently in Maui. I've been on Maui since um, March 23rd. I was teaching in Costa Rica for a week, and I live in New York City, or I lived in New York City, and New York City shut down um, while I was there, and I found myself here, a place I'd never been, um, and I've been very grateful to be here for the last several months. Well, aloha to you, even though this is aloha from Seattle. Uh (laughs) And... um, I'm actually glad you're in Maui. Um, I do follow your work and of course, taking a look at New York City, I just, I think it's really interesting what has happened to so many of us this year, the, what I would call the unexpected. The unexpected. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. and also opportunity, I have to say, if we can sort of reframe it as such, so. 
So I'm going to focus today on your new book called Alchemy. Mm -hmm. And I'm for those people that can see it, I'm showing the cover of it. It and it is book two in a trilogy. And I think the first part of that trilogy is is mm -hmm. realization. Yes. Right. Uh -huh. Okay, good. Um, a quick question. Do people need to read your books in order or does it matter? How they I think that. people people enter into the work wherever they're called to. That's been my experience. And the books are all standalone in their own way. Um, the guides I work with say they teach in a one-room schoolhouse, so they'll meet everybody where they are. I do feel, though, that the teachings build energetically, and it's not a bad idea to go to the beginning, you know, and to, to get a foundation there because... What they're beginning to teach now is 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 fairly out there stuff. I always thought all of it was out there, but it's getting farther out there for me, and I'm having to catch up. Um, and I assume that the reader who's attracted to the book will have the experience that you know they're intended to have. So, you know, they're they're all there. Wherever you enter, you can always go back to another one. Yeah, I, I like the way that you said that. I I have found too that 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 your guides are. are Number one, they're amazing teachers, but my experience has been that uh, I kind of jumped in somewhere in there and then kind of mm -hmm. backtracked and kind of oh. kind of go back and forth. But uh -huh. it's like build this um, foundation and then they kind of move you up it. Yeah. I, like that. Yeah. That's what they say. It's sequential. Um, the energy is present and at every level of the teaching, but people can find their way in where it's right for them. Kind of like jumping rope jump in there yeah pretty much uh -huh. yeah um in the beginning of your new book here there's a quote i want to i want to quote it and then just sure. have you comment on it it says when you understand that there is nothing outside of god and the form you have taken is of god the organism that you are begins to transform and to move into accord can you comment on that like there is nothing outside god yeah, that's what they say. They say that there is one tone or note being sung in the universe that is all things, that articulates or is made manifest as all things. I, I suspect it goes back to this idea that in the beginning was the word, the one tone, the one sound, the spoken into being. And they say that, you know, we are the ones operating in separation and claiming separation. And a lot of their teachings are about a level of embodiment where you move beyond that schism between the true self, which they call the God within an expression and your realization of that. But they say that one of the requirements for this is you have to become willing to perceive the inherent divine in everything. Now, the inherent divine means the substance or the vibration or the source of all things, not necessarily how it's been outpictured and what you think of it. You know, that's a very different thing. The guides have used this example in some of their books because they teach this thing called the upper room, a higher level of consciousness. They say you can't lift the evil man to the upper room because you have made him evil you've aligned to him at that level of vibration. And so in order to lift anyone or anything, in some ways it's to move to the idea that God must be all things or no thing at all. You really don't get to cherry pick what's divine. The guides say the only problem we have, the really only true problem that we're facing, they say is the denial of the divine. That's it. Everything else can sort of fall under that. And the action of fear is to deny the divine. That's what it does. That's that's it's what its action is, is to say, you are separate. You should hate those people. You should damn this one. And the guides say very, very simply, and it's my favorite teaching of theirs of the last year, you know, but they just keep saying, what, what you damn damns you back. What you bless blesses you in return. And to bless something is to, to realize the presence of the divine upon the thing. So, yes, they do say God is all things. You don't get to have it both ways. Um, and then they sort of unpack that for you in the book because people go, what about this? What about this? That can't be God. But that's us doing our stuff. You know, we're the ones acting in separation and creating violence and damning everybody. So we get back what we put out. 
Yeah, I, I think that's so to the point, and it's it's exactly on with what, what we're really going through right now. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's always looking at the news or they're having this experience where they go, look at that, look at what those people are doing. Those people mm-hmm. are bad. Those people are, you know, we have to wipe that out or we have to fight that or we have to battle that. But your your guides are saying, no, no, no. You have to somehow lift that up to the higher room. Yeah. You don't, you don't, it doesn't end by attacking it. It doesn't end. It doesn't, the violence doesn't end with more violence. It just perpetuates the old system. So things need to be transformed. And the guides teach in the book that they're dictating now, and they began teaching this in alchemy, or they're almost finished with another book. Um, they, they're teaching the claim, behold, I make all things new, which is the realization mm. of the divine in what you see, but from a higher vision. So the guides have said things, you know, like God sees God in everything, you know, how can it not? God's seeing itself. God is seeing itself in all things. Now, we're accountable to our actions. We're accountable to what we do. You know, the choices that we make become our lives and our realities. So I I think it needs to be understood that the guides aren't condoning behavior or violence of any kind they're actually asking us to re-see everything beyond what it's been named called used as in um in the book the book of truth which they dictated just before the last presidential election they said that um you know the energy of truth was here and the result of that was going to be kind of an excavation and everything that's been buried gets to be seen but it doesn't get to be seen in order to blame it or shame it or make it wrong it gets to be seen in order to lift it and heal it and transform it otherwise we just have more violence and crap you know and i believe that is some of what's happening now nothing gets healed when it's hidden in the dark and that includes those aspects of ourselves that's just that simple you know i would yeah i well i so agree with you i was thinking when you were talking um you know, like when we talk about people having skeletons in the closet, yeah. right? Yeah. If if we open the closet and we bring those skeletons out, that is really the only way to clean it out and to and to heal it. I agree. The guides yeah. say if you got a dead body in the basement, it's going to stink up the whole house. <laughs> you know, so you know, but this doesn't have to be a horrific process. I don't think it's comfortable. You know, I do know that when the guides were dictating alchemy, um, I was having to deal with so much of what people call shadow or pain or fear that was coming up in my life. I was stunned by it. I've never been through an experience like that in my life. There was a point when I said to somebody, I wonder if we should put a a warning on this book that you're going to have to deal with your stuff. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad for it. You know, it was it was a deep, deep process for me. I'm sure it's still ongoing. I don't feel that I'm done. But I do think it's true. And so much of what we are enraged at, I mean, I think when we don't want to look at our inherent darkness or fear, we just project it outward and we create more problems. You know, that's not how, again, that doesn't heal much of anything. Yeah, and you're saying something, number one, I can totally relate to it. Um, I, I think during during the, this COVID time, I've never dealt with so much shadow, not only my own shadow, but everybody else's shadow is coming yeah. up. Yeah. And um, I was thinking the other day, I have this statue of Kuan Yin, right? The, mm-hmm. the, the goddess of compassion mm-hmm. who carries this, um, she carries this face and what they say is that she collects the, our tears, right? Oh, okay. And that she hears us when we cry and calms. And um, she's kind of an androgynous being. But anyway, mm-hmm. she collects our tears. And then that turns into the alchemy of our medicine. Interesting. Yeah. And um, so the, the name of your book, Alchemy, you know, mm-hmm. kind of evokes that whole thought process within me of, well, what does it mean to change? What is what is alchemy? Yeah. And um, you, you also, I had a couple of questions that popped in my head when mm-hmm. you talked, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. number one, what is alchemy? What are we going through, Paul? Well, I mean, I think it, this there's a lot going on. 
When the guides speak about alchemy, they're talking about the process of the realization of spirit through matter, you know, substance as spirit. And they've been teaching this for some time. So they say that the truth of who and what we are, everybody, like them or not, agree with them or not, is as an aspect of God. The divine spark, whatever you want to say, they say, is in everybody. And they say that the divine self or spark or indwelling Christ, they call it sometimes, you know, there's lots of names, you know, seeks realization as and through us. It seeks to know itself through us. And the process that the guides are teaching is the alchemization of the beings that we are. If you think of a piece of music that's been playing, say, in, in, in one octave, and transposing that music to play in a higher octave. That's what they're working on with us, transposing the vibrational field and the form that we've taken to support us in expressing in a higher way. That's the alchemical process. As a result of that, they say, we become the doorway to the higher octave to those, for those and that, those things with which we encounter. They say all of us, every one of us, is an agreement to everything we see. And agreement doesn't mean I like it, I made it go there myself. It means we're in vibrational accord to everything that we see. That's just alignment. That's just the octave that we live in. So in this text, they're taking us from the lower to the higher. And the process is divesting ourselves or allowing those aspects of ourselves that have been denied the light or in shame or in fear to become renown. And we do this not so much for ourselves, but for the world, because you're giving permission to everybody else to do the same when you do this. Mm -hmm. So the larger teaching is about the transformation of consciousness and they say how we, you, I, any of us sees anything is actually informing the thing seen in its vibration. Again, what you damn damns you back. You're calling damnation to something and you're aligning to that level of consciousness, which is hatred or outrage or whatever. To lift and see something higher doesn't deny what happened, doesn't make it okay, but it does transform it when it is lifted and this is how they teach it i i love how you say things um this idea that that my my perception or the way that i look at something informs it mm -hmm. so then it it comes back at me yeah in the way that i have seen it or or perceived it um Man, I that's I have to sit with that for a moment. I it's uh, true. Yeah, it's true. It's really well, listen, really true. Ima imagine like you buy a painting at a yard sale. And it's the ugliest thing you ever saw, but it's going to cover up the crack in the plaster. <laughs> I'm just making this up, right? And you stick the painting on the wall, and every time you look at that painting, you hate it more and more and more. And then a neighbor comes and says, "Do you know how much that painting is worth? That's worth two million dollars. You know what you have here? Suddenly, the painting is wonderful." And you're displaying it all over the place because you've been taught how to value it. Now, there have been those experiments. I don't follow them. There's the, the scientist who has people, you know, send negative thoughts to water and you watch what happens to the water. You know, it's the same idea. I had a hard time with this concept when the guides first brought it through. Um, and I think it was in the Book of Truth. They said, I, I said to them, so does that mean if there's a book on a, on a table in Paris, I'm in, my consciousness is informing the book on the table in Paris? And they said, yes, the moment you know that there's a book on a table in Paris, yes. Because how you hold that book in consciousness informs the frequency of it. That's it. Wow. Okay. So th this brings up kind of a question. I'm not quite sure how to ask it. So in this idea that everything we experience we're in agreement with mm -hmm. i'm going to say frequency wise resonance wise yes. uh -huh. okay um you know how people talk about how we're creators or co-creators yeah. Is, yeah is that the same same thing is that slightly different i think when people talk about being co-creators 
or creators. They're saying, I'm going to create what I want. Mm-hmm. What they're not taking responsibility for is that everything that they see, they're in alignment to already. So it's become the idea, I think, of creating at that level. I'm going to create a great relationship. Well, that's fine. But you're all, you've also created the crappy ones you've had. You understand <laughs> that? You, you, you're, you're responsible to your consciousness. Your, your consciousness outpictures itself in everything that you see. So the guides I work with say we have these frames, right? They say this is a frame. We all walk around with these frames. So my frame is I'm too heavy. I have to lose weight. And every place I look, I'm calling evidence to what I say I don't want. You understand? Okay. It's like the woman who says, I only, I always ate date jerks. You know, every time she dates another jerk, she gets to pat herself on the back and say, you see, it's right. That's how the world works. So these are the frames we operate with. Now we have the personal frames, but we also have collective frames, which are cultural what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, what it means to be beautiful or successful or spiritual. Most of this stuff, I have to say, is absolute horsefish. Really, all, you know, what it means to be, what it means to be a this or a that is generally born out of prior agreement. Prior agreement, what it means, this is what a man should be or do. This is what success, mm-hmm. this is, what success mm-hmm. is. We're having such an interesting moment right now because so much of that's being reevaluated. Yes. Who am I if I'm not the job? Who am I if I'm not, you know, the place I've gone to work for 25 years? Who am I if I am not my marriage? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you, it brings you back to perhaps who you truly are, which is the true self, the one who may know himself, herself, through the marriage, through the job. Those are ways of knowing the self, but they're not who anybody truly is. Anyway, I'm on a tangent, so forgive me. I don't remember what I was talking about. Oh, you you were right where you needed to be. You were answering um, the questions okay. and also, yeah, you really were um, in in this, it, it, you know, where we find ourselves right now on planet Earth. I mean, I think you tapped right into that, that this this uh, covid thing, you know, every and, and I don't know, the protesting, everything going on. Um, uh, most of my clients are having these questions very much like what you're saying, going, who am I? What's the point? Why am I here? You know, all of a sudden now I'm, I've got to be at home and I'm doing I'm working at home and the kids are home and I didn't buy a house with two offices and a school yeah. in it. Right. Yep. Yeah. And so trying to redefine the self or, or like you say, maybe it's a discovery of the truth. It's self. a discovery. I think it's an opportunity. It can be. Mm-hmm. I'm in a I'm in, I'm in an odd situation. You know, I taught at NYU for 25 years. I had a life that made sense to me on paper. I could go to dinner and introduce myself with a respectable job title. Um, I was expected, I I suppose, to stay there until I retired. I'd been there for so long. And, you know, maybe five and a half years ago, I left that job. I left all my academic jobs at the same time. And I, I had to go through this very hard process of letting go of who I thought I was supposed to be in the world. And that's been ongoing for me. And I'm in this beautiful place right now. I have nothing to complain about. I'm grateful I had the money to get the ticket to get here. You know, I I wasn't trapped. I can imagine how hard that must be. But I also suspect that the opportunities that are present for us now are about really realizing what we've chosen. And I'm talking to people, my clients are suddenly going, why did I choose this? Why have I been with this, you know, man or woman for the last 10 years? We've never been happy. Why, you know, aren't I painting? I always wanted to paint and I'm an accountant and I hate every minute of it. I mean, these things then become opportunities, I suppose, to reflect but rediscover. And part of this, I think, is happening because we have no roadmap right now mm-hmm. for what's to come. We really don't. We're, we're all facing the unknown. And the unknown can become great opportunity or can be terrifying, depending on how attached I am to what was. I'm in it, too. I'm not exempt from this challenge. It's challenging. There's no question. But perhaps it's also catalytic in a, in a way that may be positive. Some of what we're seeing right now, I expect, is what happens when certain things, you know, injustice, how this culture has been set up, 
all of those things. I think things are being seen in order to be renown. You know, I did a reading. I was on a show a number of a couple of years ago. And the guide said, what's happening now is the bedspreads being pulled back on the bed and all the vermin that's always been there is about to be seen. You know, it's not pretty. It's not comfortable. But we've been sleeping in that bed. You know, that's that's what we've agreed to. And now we're saying this things need to, to transform in some way. I think some of what's happening is productive. I think some of what's happening is fear based. I think it depends on how people are operating. But, um, you know, the guides I work with, and I'm very grateful for this, you know, because they've been saying the action of fear is to claim more fear for years through me. But they also teach prudence and they talk about the importance of prudence and they say prudence is in fear. You know, oh. they say if there's a sign that says, you know, no swimming sharks, probably best not to go in the water. It doesn't mean you're frightened of the sharks. You just don't feel like getting eaten. You know, it's a simple choice one makes. If you want to say there's no sharks in the water and go in and take your chances, so be it. You know, I my initial work as a healer when I first studied this was at the height of the AIDS epidemic when people my age were dying all around me. And I lived in New York City. My classmates, my professors, everybody was dropping dead. And in months, a matter of months, it was unlike anything I'd ever seen in my life. But people learned how to behave in different ways and to be take precaution. And, you know, I and many other people are still here as a result of those precautions. So that's prudence. That's not fear. That's, you know, a healthy act of, 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 of self-care, self-love or love of others. Yeah. We'll take a little station break. We'll be right back. Did you know that Reiki healing can be done at a distance? It's true. So let Reiki Oasis focus powerful energy to help relieve your stress, grief, sadness, anger, and so much more. Convenient, personalized treatments at a distance can increase lightness of being. During your appointment, find a quiet place to lie down or sit to receive healing energies. If you want help with your dis-ease, visit ReikiOasis.com. Harness life's energy. Visit ReikiOasis.com today. Hi, I'm Dr. Shelley Place with today's tip for kids from the American Academy of Pediatrics. Kids are full of energy, but keeping them active in their teen years can be a challenge. Aim for an hour of physical activity every day. If they like sports, that's a great place to start. Keep the focus on fun, not winning, and encourage your child to do a variety of activities. If your child isn't meeting that 60-minute goal, gradually increase their activity in ways they enjoy. For more, talk with your pediatrician or visit HealthyChildren.org. Time is funny. Sometimes it seems fast, another time slow. When it comes to time slots remaining on Alternative Talk 1150, time is running out. In fact, there are just a few primetime slots available. So if you want to host your own radio program, the time to call 425-653-1150 is right now. Nope, no time for excuses. Dial 425-653-1150 to find out how affordable it can be to host a radio show. Alternative Talk, we have an opportunity waiting just for you. Alternative Talk 1150, here to uplift your day. Welcome back to the original Loretta Brown Show, and I am Loretta Brown. You can find out more about me at ReikiOasis.com or at 1150KKNW. I am talking to Paul Selleck, one of my favorite people on the planet, and we're talking about his new book, Alchemy, a channeled text, and it is the second book in his The Beyond the Known trilogy. And and I think, Paul, I think you alluded to the fact you probably already have the third book pretty much done. Yeah. They're dictating it now. I, I have a feeling there's about seven more days or so of, of dictation. That's At least that's what I heard last night. We'll see if it was accurate. But, yeah, yeah. They're, they've been barreling ahead. So. Barreling ahead, yeah. Well, we certainly need the information. So thank you for being the channel. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you for that. Um, in in this book, Alchemy, I'm going to have – I have another quotation mm-hmm. here. The vibration that is you – is claiming itself in recognition of everything that it encounters. Kind of, you already said that. The divine who has come as each of you will seek to claim itself in a new way, in a new song. And the sound of your song in echo, in expression, in announcement, I have come, I have come, I have come, will transform not only you, but the landscape you encounter. Mm-hmm. 
So we, when we do this for ourselves, when we mm-hmm. lift ourselves up to the mm-hmm. upper room, yeah, that lifts everyone, all of creation. When you lift, let me see if I can try to explain this because it's interesting what you read in some ways is almost encompasses the entire teaching of the book. Um, If you you go to the upper room, which is the higher level of consciousness where you're not operating in fear and the guides teach that. And it's interesting, most people can feel it. We were doing this in workshops before we couldn't work live, you know, embodied physically with people and everybody was getting it. So the feeling of being in the upper room is pretty astonishing. Um, It's another way of being. And one of the things people notice is that at that level, there's no fear. You're not acting in fear. The claim, I have come, I have come, I have come, which they say is the decree of the true self or the divine self that has come in and as you or anyone is a claim of of rearticulation. And they say what happens when you claim this, it's really as if the light from within starts to go through your entire being and pretty much retake, re-know every aspect of self. That's the process of change that one undergoes or the process of encountering those parts of self that don't want to be known. At that level of vibrational accord, when you get to that level, yes, indeed, they say you're actually seeing and claiming a world made new. It's the seeing of this that claims it. The guides say, you know, the kingdom is here. It's always been here. We haven't had the eyes to see it. To have the eyes to see it is to know the inherent divine. To know the inherent divine in the self, which is inclusive of form, which is the challenge that I have, is to know the inherent divine in what is seen before you. In other words, they talk about, well, I'll do it this way. They mention the echo in that passage. In one of the books, and they've been teaching this for a while, the echo, they say, is in one of the attunements, I know who I am in truth, I know what I am in truth, I know how I serve in truth, which is the reclamation of of who, identity, what, form, service, which is expression. The claim, I know what I am in truth, is really the claim for form or the body itself to be renowned in a higher vibrational state. So when they first started talking about this, it was like, okay, I get it. Then they had everybody go out and claim it to everything they see. And everybody was feeling the energy pour back at them. You can do this with a partner. It's fascinating. If you do the attunements that precede it and you look at your partner, you see the inherent divinity in them. 10 feet away is good. Five feet away is fine. Three feet's doable. And you go, I know what you are in truth. I know what you are in truth. I know what you are in truth. You're claiming the inherent divinity in the body, in the form that the other's taken. And it literally feels like waves of energy coming back at you. I mean, you do, Reiki. You're familiar with feeling energy. It was quite astonishing. And what they explained about this was... You've all denied the divine in the forms that you've taken. You've been told that if there is a God, it's up there in a cloud. You're stuck here in this awful mortal body that you're stuck with until you get to go someplace better. None of that's true. They say, if you deny the divine in the body you've taken, you're also denying the divine in everything else in form that you see, because that's separation. You understand this? So your experience of the landscape begins to shift. And it's a trip and a half when it happens. Now they're teaching the claim, God is, God is, God is. And that's another mind blower when you really feel that one, because you really, the guides say you begin to move into conversation, energetic conversation with everything you see at that level of, of realization. So I'm, it's a lot of information that I'm unpacking, but they say, finally, yes, you are claiming the kingdom into being through your presence. You're claiming the inherent divine, and the inherent divine is responding or lifting to you to the level that you're you're seeing or experiencing. Yeah, I'm I'm thrilled with what you're saying. I can feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been to your workshops. I can mm-hmm. literally vouch for that. That when you have that energy come back at you, and then you start to shift. Um, like right now, even with you just saying what you said, I feel myself yeah. starting to roll. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, 
Yeah. It's there. It's available. That's the good news, you yeah, know. It's available. The other thing I want to say for the listeners is just reading Paul's books, um, you get this energy. Mm-hmm. It 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 really does uh happen. And and the other thing that I experience reading um the material is that sometimes I just read right through it. And sometimes I like I read a sentence and I'm like, that's all that's it. I can't that's go it. any that's all I can yeah. take. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's pretty common. Yeah. Um I, I have a question. Um how how do we and maybe this is a result of being in the upper room and being of a different consciousness, but we're at a crossroads right now, right? Yeah. As humanity, we're really taking a look at, okay, which way are we going to go here? Yeah. And and I know free will plays into that, but how do we how do we create something wonderful and new if we, and not create the suffering of the past? It's a jumbled up question, but I think you yeah. know what I'm saying. Like, how do I create something that I've never experienced before? Because you're not creating through the personality structure at that level. The personality structure, it's like my idea of a good marriage is we don't fight, the kids are happy, you know, we have an, my idea of a good marriage. That's like what somebody told you a good marriage was supposed to be, you know, it may be something extraordinarily different for you and you may find yourself needing something very different. So what we're not able to do right now is is decide what it's supposed to look like because any decision we would make would be based on data, you know, what we think should be. So what the guides are speaking, this whole series is called the Beyond the Known series, and that's why, Mm -hmm. because they're taking us beyond the known. Now they say, and this is really interesting, and I'm not there yet, but I'm starting to understand it and experience a bit of it. You move to a level of alignment where you're no longer saying, this is what I want, this is what I should have. And you're moving to a place of reception of what is, which is very different, which is the awareness of the divine as source. So if you know the source Mm -hmm. is meeting your needs, you're not saying, where's my dinner? Where's this? Where's that? Those things that I think that I should have. The idea of a world made new is just that. It's not a band-aid we're past the band-aid mark you know that's what i get they've guys have been saying this for the last three books or so everything is going to be renown in a higher way it has to be every every structure be it religion politics doesn't really matter that's been informed by fear or is riddled with it or is operating at that level of manipulation which is fear is going to have to be reseen, renown economic systems. They've been talking about this for a while. I don't think it needs to be uh, a cataclysm or a meltdown. I think it's a process that we're already seeing unfold before us. But what's to come, I think, is not yet known, and that's what's so frightening, you know, for for most of us. But if again we look at these changes as part of a larger process and have faith in it, then we can contribute in a higher way. And I, by that, I mean, we can be party to the change, yeah. you know, in, in, a, in a good way. That doesn't mean, I think, get your gun out and shoot those people you don't, you don't agree with. I mean, it's just not that. It cannot be that. And that's, you know, the action of fear would just say, you know, it's going to be like that. Be prepared for the worst. I saw, I was with somebody last night, be prepared for the worst, hoard your food, civil war. I'm thinking, well, you know, maybe, but what the guides have said, and they've said it a few times in the last few months, and I was surprised. They said, you know, humanity has decided collectively to progress. Oh. It's going to happen. However, that's happened at a higher causal level. You know, we've all at a higher level said, okay, but the personality itself is still kicking and screaming. I mean, it's kind of like knowing it's time to leave the marriage and you just can't leave because Mm -hmm. it's all you've known. And the hell you know is better than the one that you don't. And I suspect some of what we're going to be seeing is that, you know, I don't think it's going to be what we've known. I hope, hope, hope it's better. But I also understand that this is the beginning of a larger process. And I don't know that I see the end of it, you know, truthfully, I think it's a time of great change. And, you know, humanity has gone through changes of great magnitude before. This is just another one. Well, you know, people use a lot of words like ascension and, 
yeah. and the development of our higher consciousness. Yeah. I think that is so. I mean, the guides are teaching ascension. They rarely use the word. Once in a while, they'll use it. But I think that they don't use the word, but because it's become somewhat appropriated as jargon. Yes. And when something's appropriated as jargon, it's meaningless. I can't tell you how many people I see on social media saying love and light and then demanding people be executed on their page. And I go, boy, that doesn't make sense to me. You know what I mean? That's, that's, yeah. that's a challenge. So, you know, if you're going to be the light, there's work. There's real work. And that means I don't have the luxury of what I used to have, which is I'm going to be right and those bastards are going to be wrong and so be it. I have to learn to see with new eyes. I have to begin to to agree to a new potential, because I think that's when things change, not through making things what I think that they should be. That's still the small self. Yeah. I'd say the small self thinks the true self knows, you know, move to your knowing, move to your heart. Your heart's not going to lie to you. That's a great way of saying it. Um, I, I was thinking when you were talking <laughs> that some more jargon is light workers. And I'm like, OK, light workers got to do the work. Right. To get to the light. Right. And there's a, a something that goes on there. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 I think that's true, you know, but the but even it's an individual process. You know, I um, it's an individual process. When I studied healing years ago and I was doing this modality, it was the first sort of offshoot of Reiki it was one of from one of the thir first 13 Reiki masters was doing this other thing. And she was my teacher. And so that's who I was studying with. And I was told the Reiki people don't talk to the to the Marielle people, the Barbara Brennan people don't talk to anybody. It was like, oh, you know, all of this in camp fighting of, of what it means. And, it, and then I used to hear things like, oh, there's a channel in Brooklyn, Archangel Gabriel's in Brooklyn, but you really want to go to the, go to Michael on the Upper West Side. That's the good one. And I thought, this is ridiculous. What does this have to do with anything? You know, it's called spiritual materialism. And also, I think it can also mean, you know, wanting to wanting to be participatory to change mm -hmm. and not perhaps knowing the highest way to do it. You know, uh, it, it, it's such a simple teaching what you damn damns your back. That's such an easy one for me when I can work with it. And the idea of blessing, which is the presence of the divine upon something. Again, that doesn't mean you condone what you're seeing. You're saying God is stronger than what I'm seeing. You know, yeah. that's what you're saying, which is, again, an alchemical statement. It's not it's a it's a true it's a statement of truth. It's not wishful thinking and it's certainly not taking action. My guides say, if you're walking down the street and two people are fighting and you're in a position to break up the fight, break up the fight. You're accountable to what you see before you. We're always in choice. How are we choosing? You know, that's it. Well, and, and if I'm understanding correctly too, your, your teach, your, your guides are teachers, right? They're that's teaching. what they do. Yeah. I'm yeah. not the teacher in this one. I I'm, when you hear me yammer on, it's me and my opinions, and that's really all it is. I'm not a spiritual teacher. It's the, the good news is there. You know, I'm this guy that sits in the chair and takes dictation. They don't always agree with what I say, I, I think, or I get corrected a fair amount. But the simplest, simplest, simplest teaching of, to stay in one's integrity, if you're a light worker or if that's what you want to be, the simplest one is what they've said more than anything else, which is you cannot be the light and hold another in darkness. Uh, yeah. It just, it's impossible. The light can't hold another in darkness. So as we look out across the, what I call the living level of life, which is probably the level of the small self, right? Yeah, yeah. Where, where we're saying, well, those people are on, are on that side and those people are on that side and I have to choose sides. Maybe we could lift everything into the higher that's room. my understanding i mean finally i suspect the guides i work with would say this is a masquerade you know this is the masquerade you want to be the republican you want to be the democrat you want to be the liberal you want to be the this that's how you're choosing your experience you're going to learn through everything you choose mm -hmm. but i do believe that the guides said you know we've gone so far in polarizing ourselves from our neighbor you know 
that we we've separated ourselves from so much from our neighbor that we've separated ourselves from source. You know, the teachings of forgiveness, and I I was raised an atheist, but the teachings of forgiveness are are are, are strong, and I think every spiritual teaching that's ever been. And the reason for this is, it's not like we're letting people off the hook. We're letting ourselves off the hook. We're unhinging ourselves from the darkness, from the shadow that we put others in. They're free to go, then we are as well. But as long as I'm going to keep somebody in that dark cave, I'm there in the cave with them. That's what happens. That's the unfortunate part. So I do think that there's much that we can do. You know, and I, I, you know, and, and I see it and I'm hopeful, you know, you can see the glimmers of, of collective awareness, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. truthfully. Um, it's like when you're in a store, you know, you've seen this, like you hear some kid yell mom in a store and every mother looks, <laughs> every mother looks because yes. it could be her kid, you know, yeah. what, what I think what makes us more the same finally is is far greater than what makes us different. And we can rest in that and work with that. And maybe there's hope to be found there. Well, and then also because I can uh, imagine that some of the listeners are saying that sounds all lofty and well, and how do I do that, right? Like, how do I get there? Well, yeah. read the books that come through yes. the guides. You can, they, that they're, they're, they help with this, believe me. Become willing to let go of the need to be right just even for a little bit, because that lets the new come in. You know, people's politics, in, 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 in my opinion, are their own opinion, really. That's up to them. Believe what you want. Choose what you want. Just don't choose harm. You know, yeah. that's how I see it. Don't choose harm. Yeah. You know, everybody, the guides say this, and it's a hard teaching, but they say, and they say it in workshops, you were born, you have a right to be. They were born, they have a right to be. That's your ticket here. You were born. You have a right to be part of this, this dance, you know. And we're accountable to our actions and our creations. We are. That's karma. That's and all karma is is cause and effect and another opportunity to learn. That's it. That's how I see it. So are are we in this all together? Did we collectively all agree to go through this? Is that you know, because people talk about that too. I, I, this is what I was told, and I, I could be wrong about my understanding of it, but the, the species itself has agreed to move forward. Humanity itself has agreed to move forward. That's been a choice that's been made. If you think of like the individual, the causal body of the individual, this is the causal body of, of everything. We've all said, okay, time to move forward. Um, but I don't know that that's graceful or easy yeah. or some are willing to do that or not. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how it plays out. They haven't. I mean, maybe they have talked about it. I'm, I'm, I didn't have coffee this morning, which is why I'm not channeling on your show. <laughs> but um, but <laughs> let me let me see if they want to say anything, because it's an interesting question. Everybody will eventually. They're saying everybody will eventually. Finally, it happens for everybody, not in the way they want not through their suggestions and the way it needs to, in the way it needs to. This is great change. This is great change. Unheralded in some ways, in some ways for this species, for this species and a great promise and a great promise to be reborn, to be reborn or to see things anew or to see things anew. But if you're complicit to the darkness, if you're damning others, you're damning yourself, you're damning yourself, and then you're pretending you're in light, and then you're pretending you're in light while you sit in shadow, while you sit in shadow. Take responsibility. Take responsibility for how you treat your neighbor, for how you treat your neighbor and yourself and yourself, even the ones you disagree with, even the ones you disagree with, they still have a right to be. They still have a right to be, period. I'm just saying, period. Thank you for that. Um, I actually believe that's true. While you've been talking, I've been thinking about, you know, that saying, those that have eyes to see, see, and ears yeah. to hear, hear. Exactly and right. That's that higher. Yeah, it's exactly you know, right. Yeah. But those of those who do have the eyes to see become the light that lead the others out of the darkness. And that's the responsibility. And that's not proselytizing. That's actually done through being, I believe, more than saying you should change or you should do what I do or believe whatever people are going to believe what they want. 
you know. Yeah. They are. Um, yeah. In your book, I want to point out to people listening, um, in your book, you your guides give us a, a way to reclaim ourselves without any descriptors that mm. we've used before. And if you're going to get the book, it's on page 235. I'm not going to share it on the air, but I loved that. It's so beautiful um, without the descriptors. Mm-hmm. And I think that that helps raise us up into that level you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Um, so uh, is what we're touching on the Christ mind? That's what they say the upper room is. Yeah, it's Christ okay. mind. It's a level of vibration and coherence. They say, you know, Jesus, they say Jesus is one who realized the Christ, who knew who he truly was. And, um, you know, and actually, and this is not a Christian teaching. It's, I, I've heard it called a Gnostic teaching. I've heard it called a lot of different things. But they do teach the message of, 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 of the Christ in manifestation. Yeah. They really do. And that is love your brother. You know, you, you, it really is that. It just is so simple. And I, it, it, it shocks me that people can call themselves Christians and practice hatred. It just it doesn't make any sense to me at all. But the true teaching of the Christ, I think, is still true now. Yeah. And the guides are teaching what they teach. Perhaps it's in coherence with that. Um, I find it to be a loving teaching and a teaching that does not exclude. And I'm grateful for that. It's a, it's a teaching of welcome to anybody who wants to go on the journey. But there are other ways to go. This isn't the only way forward, as I would suggest. I hope not. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I always believe that you can tell... You know, my my background in in Christianity as a little girl was, you know, Mm. you could tell what kind of a tree it was by the fruit. So if it's love and joy and peace, it's good. It's good teachings. Yeah. And yeah. So um, that where do people find your book? And Mm. do you and or your guides have any last bits they want to share with us? Well, the books can be found in any uh, all the major booksellers and online and, you know, Barnes and Noble and IndieBound and Amazon, certainly. And um, there's lots of information on my, my website about the live streams that I do and the online workshops. Some of them are five. We're doing a five day long every month, um, plus Wednesday nights, Eastern mm-hmm. time. Let me see what the guides want to say. We have one thing to say. We have one thing to say. Be kind to one another. Be kind to another. Work with kindness to begin with. Work with kindness to begin with if love seems too hard. If love seems too hard, have compassion. Have compassion if you can't have care. If you can't have care, take the steps you can take. Take the steps you can take to ennoble your worth, to ennoble your worth, to ennobling the worth of others, through ennobling the worth of others. Again, you cannot be the light. Again, you cannot be the light and hold others in darkness and hold others in darkness. We wish you well. They're saying we wish you well. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Wish you well, too. So thank you. My guest today, Paul Selleck, his new book, Alchemy. I recommend him, his books, and all of his work. And Paul, from my heart, tears. thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Bye now.